Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. The easiest way to connect with us from right where you are is by downloading our free Real Life Community app from your app store. You can also find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. message this morning, I want to say just a quick shout out to the kids especially who helped pack all of the food uh, yesterday that's going to be sent around the world to help starving children. We uh, here at Real Life, we're a part of a citywide effort across all sorts of different churches and a group of organizations uh, partnered together with Feed My Starving Children and Hobgood Elementary yesterday and packed a ton of food. And your kids here at Real Life led the way. It was amazing, uh, beautiful thing to watch and a great way to kick off uh, the Advent season. So if you are sitting close within arm's reach to a child, uh, just pat them because they were probably there uh, and tell them, good job, way to go. Uh, now, one of the most basic uh, traditional Christian confessions is very simple. And it goes like this, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. Advent here, this first Sunday of Advent, we enter into a season where we kind of sit down in between the two major portions of that statement. There's one side of the statement that speaks of Christ's coming, his coming. And of course, we know that he was born into this world, but that he was born into this world in order to give his life in love for the world. And then God raised him up from the dead and, and he ascended to the throne, right? And then in the future, at some point, Christ will come again and Advent stands in the middle here as we prepare to celebrate the fact that he has come and we prepare to be ready for when he returns. Advent is the season of preparation, of, uh, of getting ourselves in a place in our spirit where we're ready to celebrate and ready for Christ's return. This whole series, really, in the month of December, we're going to ex be exploring a theme called the thrill of hope. We're going to be exploring what it looks like to be people who sit here between these two times as people who have a deep sense of hope and longing and anticipation in our bones. And we're going to be journeying through uh, some of uh, what's called the lectionary texts. So uh, there's this thing called the lectionary, if you're not familiar with it. And that's where Christians in all different denominations around the world have chosen to journey through certain sections of scripture for different seasons in the year. And Advent is one of those seasons and they have different texts. So there will be churches all over the world that are going to be journeying through the same passages that we're going to be journeying through as we get ready to celebrate 
the birth of Jesus. Uh, Today, we're in Luke chapter 21. So if you brought your Bibles or want to turn in your Bible apps to Luke chapter 21, I want to warn you as you're turning there, this is not a passage that you would think, like if you looked up on Google or your Bible version app and were like, show me passages about hope. Uh, This isn't one of the passages that would show up in the top list of 500. I mean, it's just not going to show up there. It's one of those uh, places where Jesus... It's a doozy. He begins to talk about signs of the end of the world. He starts speaking in these apocalyptic kind of ways. Like if you'll pay attention, you'll recognize that these signs will begin to happen. And he starts to talk about all sorts of scary things. He he talks about he's in Jerusalem at the time that he's given this little talk. And he he looks over at the temple and he says, see this temple, it's going to be destroyed here before long. The most magnificent building many of them had ever seen is going to be leveled. And then he talks about how nations will make war against nation and persecutions of God's people will come. And then he says, Jerusalem itself will be destroyed. So if I were going to preach, uh, to look for a passage on, uh, you know, some passage on how to preach hope, this is not the passage that I would go to, all right? These are all sorts of just cataclysmic, world-turning, upside-down, run-for-cover, find-a-cave-and-hide-in-it kinds of things. And then, as if all of that wasn't enough, we get to our passage, and our passage begins in verse 25. So Luke chapter 21 Verses 25 through 36. It goes like this. And there will be signs in sun and moon and stars. And on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. People fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, if you miss everything else, I want you to pay attention to these next two verses because so much hangs on these two verses. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And then he goes on, he says, and he told them a parable, look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things take place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves. Lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth. But stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place. And to stand before the Son of Man. It's the word of the Lord this morning. And so there we go. So Jesus walks us through what sounds like some pretty scary moments in chapter 21. 
And just confession moment here from your pastor. Most of my life, I've taken this passage and others like them in the gospel where Jesus begins to start speaking about end of the world, cataclysmic, world turning upside down kinds of things. And I read them and I stiff armed them a little bit. Because what do you do with those? You know, like, okay, there are going to be signs. Great. Thank you, Jesus. And and then I've I've just kind of boiled it down to, well, the reality is Jesus also said nobody knows the day or the hour, so I'll just try and be ready all the time. And and there you go, right? Like, that's just kind of how I've taken those. And yet, as I've explored this scripture and stopped stiff-arming it today, uh, this past week, the last couple weeks, I've recognized that there's just, as usual, a treasure trove of goodness and beauty and wonder in the word of God here. And so I wanna just kind of take a little bit of a dive into it today, if you'll go into it with me. Uh, I think the main shift in my thinking uh, about how this has been helpful to read is to recognize that most of my life, I always read this passage as dealing with some far off future event for me, like way off still in the future. But we have to remember that Jesus was speaking to his disciples about their future first. And I think uh, the more time that I've spent with this, the more that I'm beginning to think that Jesus is speaking, is doing something really pastoral here with his disciples. They've, you got to remember, they've just entered into Jerusalem uh, for the last Passover meal. Jesus knows what's about to happen in some form. He knows he's going to give his life and he's pushing all of the buttons to make it happen. He's like an equal opportunity offender. He's making everybody angry. He goes in, turns the tables over in the temple, uh, you know, makes the cord, the whip out of cords and, and drives the money changers out and everything. He's making everybody angry. He's making all sorts of amazing claims about his own person and his self. And so in this moment, He's trying to help prepare his, their, the disciples, these who have been following with him for three years, for what is about to come, what they're about to go through when the world as they know it is going to be exploded, turned upside down. All of the systems and structures and every one of their anchors was going to be changed. Uh, I think he's really trying to help them get ready for his crucifixion and his resurrection and his ascension. So, a few things. Let's talk about some of the details of this passage, if you'll allow me to nerd out for just a moment uh, uh, on you. Uh, the first is timing. Uh, th- this is one of the reasons that I think Jesus is doing something real pastoral with his disciples here, is timing. And I already kind of talked about that. He's just entered Jerusalem. Uh, he's ridden in on the donkey. The disciples have been living in this like state of fight or flight since the moment they went into Jerusalem. You've got to remember that they recognize, they think, they know he's the Messiah. They believe he's the Messiah. But in a lot of their minds still, they think he's marching on, the, on his way to an earthly throne. And they're going to be like taking up residence in the temple, right? And so they're waiting at any moment for a battle to break out. Imagine if you entered into a place and you had to be like ready like that all the time. My nerves couldn't handle it, you know? Uh, And and so they're waiting on this. Jesus knows this, so he's going to begin to speak with them to help prepare them in this moment. Events are around the corner that however you want to describe it for them are going to feel like the earth is falling apart. Their leader is going to be killed, betrayed by one of their own, 
put on trial for everyone to see, humiliated on a cross, and they have pledged their life to him. So remember this timing as he's talking about these end of the world cataclysmic kind of things. Uh, he's, I think, describing primarily those kinds of things that they're getting ready to go through. Next, I wanna talk with you about a couple of tricky verses. These are a couple of verses that I've, I've either, I think, misunderstood or just totally stiff-armed. The first one is that verse about the Son of Man. Remember me reading that and telling you to pay attention to it. In verse 27, he's talking about all these signs, and then he says, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, this is one of the coolest things from my nerd-out mind uh, that, I've, that I've learned in the last several, like, a long time, so bear with me. As you have read that verse before in your past, uh, uh, my assumption is that you've done something similar to me, that you read all these signs and we think about something way off there, and then when we read about Jesus come, or the Son of Man coming on the clouds, we immediately translate that as Jesus returning on the clouds. The geography of the scene is Jesus is coming from the clouds down to return, right? Um, give me a head nod. Does that like how we've read that in the past? But here's the thing, okay, this is so cool. When Jesus says, uh, first off, one of the favorite ways that Jesus referred to himself in the scriptures was son of man, especially in Luke. This is one of his titles for himself. The place where that comes from this wasn't just like some random uh, note or like meant that he was a really amazing person and so he referred to, it came from a specific place in the Old Testament scriptures in the book of Daniel. And Daniel talked about one like a son of man who was a human, but who at some point in his life is given authority, the authority of Yahweh himself. And it, this is almost a direct quote from Daniel 7 that we will see one like the Son of Man coming on the clouds. And in Daniel 7, when, he, when the Son of Man is coming on the clouds, he's coming from the earth to the throne of God. That's the direction. He's moving. He's coming to Yahweh. He's not coming back to earth. He's coming to Yahweh. He's being lifted up and receiving his glory. Now, listen what we're doing. Jesus is saying, you're going to see all these times. It's going to feel like the world is falling apart. And then you are going to see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. Flip that around and imagine Jesus being lifted up. Do you remember a time when Jesus was lifted up off the earth? Do you remember a time not too long after that when Jesus was raised up from the grave and then the disciples watched him go up to the heavens in the clouds, right? He's telling them, this is around the corner. You are going to see this. And then there's the next verse, which we're gonna come back to in a minute, but it's just huge. And then a couple of verses later, he says, truly I tell you, this generation won't pass away until all these things have taken place, which I've always like read that from this perspective, like the way out future perspective and thought, uh, I guess he got that wrong. Or maybe generation means something different than what I you know, think that he means. Maybe it's like this age or something. But he's telling them all these things I'm telling you about where the son of man is going to be seated at the right hand of the father. You're going to witness them. You're gonna witness them. They're around the corner. 
And then he gives them advice. Again, pastoral moves here. His advice, don't get drunk. Uh, And that's not just some random thing. They're in the Passover festival. This is like one of the biggest parties of the year. The wine is flowing and he's like, don't drink too much. You got to be ready here because some things are going to get real difficult and you need to be alert. Or don't be weighed down by the weight and the burdens of it all. I know this is going to be heavy for you. Imagine what they're getting ready to go through. Jesus is like, don't let it be too heavy. And then he says, don't fall asleep when I ask you to pray for strength. Where do we see that? In the garden. Don't fall asleep when I, of course they do, and, and they're scattered somewhat. But his whole goal here is, here's the reason I'm telling you all this stuff. I want you to be ready because the last verse that we read, I want you to be able to stand before the Son of Man. I want you to be able to stand when I come into my glory. I want you to be able to stand before me there the same way as you're standing before me now. If I were a disciple in these moments, the nerves would be building. I can only imagine what it would have been like for them. They'd been in this fight or flight mode since they entered Jerusalem. And now Jesus is describing what sounds like the end of the world as they know it. And in moments like these, it would be understandable if they were afraid. Listen, when I'm afraid, do you know what I do? I hide under my covers. I I go into a, like a corner, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm sure that nobody's going to be able to get me, you know, like, like I put on like my safe clothes or I grab my blankie or something like that, you know, like I, I have some things or, you know, I worry a lot or, or I, we have all of our go-tos. I, I, it'd be interesting if we just kind of surveyed the crowd today. I'm sure that each one of us have a knee-jerk reaction when we are anxious or afraid, or nervous. We have certain things. We, we close up, we hide, we take shelter, we seek refuge. This is kind of the posture that we get in, and several of the disciples actually end up doing that. Judas looks for an escape valve. He's like, no, I don't even want to be on this ship when it's going down. I, I'm, I'm going to just go find somebody else to make uh, a pact with. Peter runs away, and denies Jesus three times. The rest of them, most of them are scattered. Very few of them follow Jesus all the way to the cross. So a lot of them succumb to the very things that he's encouraging them not to. But Jesus asks them to assume a different position than this in these moments. He says, This is right after verse 27. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in cloud with power and great glory. Now, verse 28, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Straighten up. Raise up your heads. Your redemption is drawing near. This is the posture of hopeful anticipation and shows trust in the goodness and sovereignty of God. Now, 
Why this passage for Advent? Why do we work on this? Especially if it is, like I think, a, a, a sermon kind of that Jesus gives his disciples to help them be ready for what they're about to go through. Why do we talk about it now when we're waiting for Christ's return? Because the posture he asked his disciples to take when the world was about to turn upside down is the same one we are asked to take now while we wait for Christ to set it right side up. Jesus asked his disciples in those days, stand up straight, lift up your head, your redemption is drawing near. And I think he would say the same thing to us while we're waiting for him to come and set the world right side up again. Look, I know it's hard sometimes. I watch the same news you do. I hear the same stories. Uh, we go through the same kind of muck and mire. A lot of times I'm carrying several of your burdens along with you. I know these things can get heavy and, seem, and, and they are broken. I know it can be tempting when we're worried and hurting and broken to seek shelter and hide. to let our fears consume us, to hide our faith. And I wanna ask you this morning, don't give in to it. Let these realities fill you with hope. The Jesus who made good on his promises to those disciples in that day will make good on his promise to return and set all things right. And the Son of Man, even now, is seated on the throne. He has already come to Yahweh in power and great glory. And he's waiting there to return and set all things right. So, if that's true, stand up. Raise up your heads. Come on, Mike, go ahead. Let's everybody just stand up. Come on, let's just assume the posture here this morning. Uh, stand up. Raise up your heads. Remain alert. Stay awake during prayer and let the Spirit of God fill you with the hope that will hold you until he returns one day. In a moment, we're gonna share in communion together. And in communion, we proclaim the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so, uh, the question that I want to leave with you today, will you be standing when the Son of Man comes? Lift up your heads. Would you pray with me? I want to invite uh, while we pray, those who are serving communion, the band to come forward, and uh, let's pray together. God, we trust you, and a big part of the reason we trust you is because you predicted all these things would happen to you, and they happened, and you rose, and you ascended, and witness after witness after witness testified to these things and even gave their life holding on to the truth of these things to be faithful to you. God, we pray that today you would find us faithful as well, that you'd find us not cowering in fear, not, not 
abandoning our faith, not hiding our faith, but that you would see us full of hope and trust and knowledge in the reality that you today are seated on the throne and that one day you will come again to make all things right. And so God, we stand up and we stand up straight and we lift up our heads no matter what's going on circumstantially in the world. We believe that you will set it right. Prepare us, Lord. Prepare our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our church and your church and your world for your coming. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen.